good morning, everybody, especially to our online friends right now. And, you know, we don't know for sure if you're with us live. Uh, you know, there's lots of places you can be live with us on Facebook or ccmonline.org or, on, or uh, on YouTube. But wherever it is, maybe you're with us later on during the week uh, on our podcast. And whatever that is, we're so grateful to have you with us, too worship and to learn together and pray together and even to receive communion together. So if you're at home today and uh, you haven't had a chance to do so already, we will be receiving communion later on the service. So make sure that you have some bread, maybe some crackers, some juice, whatever it is that you have so that we as a community and even with all of you uh, at home uh, serving and worshiping together as a community can receive communion together. So make sure that you do that. And to all our friends that are online, make sure you go to CCM online org and check out all the stuff that's happening here at Crossroads Church throughout the week. Who am I that the highest would welcome me? I was lost but he brought me
You can also, when you say, I'm a child of God, you can say, and I'm God's favorite. Go ahead, say it. I'm God's favorite. Right? So we want to introduce you to one of God's favorites. This is AJ, in case you've never had the pleasure of having a conversation with AJ, which we had several this week because your electricity went out and your family moved in for a few days. And uh, so wherever AJ is, he is preaching the grace and the love and the truth of God. And as a new leader in this church these days, um, it gives me great hope for the kingdom of God uh, that, you know, when, when we need young, strong voices who love God and are fully devoted, that there really are people in their 20s who love Jesus like crazy. And so that is f- phenomenal. And, um, and not only that, but I think, you know, the, the beauty of your life and knowing your story not just as a a child learning the things of God, but then in your adult life and in college life and then work life with young students uh, at college, the way you've brought the life of God. We believe you've taken the vow of stability already. We can see you as a gray-haired, you know, 80-year-old grandpa still saying the the truth about God. And so everybody, welcome AJ and, and thank God for his heart. And his words today. Thank you, Claire. Good morning, church. I am um, very happy to be sharing week three of the story of the Bible with you. Um, Hannah has set us up for an exciting surprise um, with Jesus, who I hope I can share today a moment of where many people that encountered him... um, can be surprised and show us what it means to to encounter him new. Um, But I'm also speaking on the Gospels as four whole books. Um, And so we're going to talk about the Gospels, but also focus on Jesus as a person um, who is fully God and fully man, and the tension of that can provide for us. Um, So the Gospel, there's four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the Synoptic Gospels because they mirror each other in some ways on the stories that they tell, not completely. Um, but the fourth Gospel, John, is where our passage is going to be from today. John writes much later, um, and he adds some things about Jesus that I think um, show that he's been reflecting. And one um, story, the, the miracle of the wedding at Cana is what we're going to speak about today, and that's not included in the other Gospels. And so it's the first miracle, and so it's a surprise um, that that we write about it so much later and read about it so much later. And so the Gospels provide many stories of Jesus, whether that is parables and the teaching that he gives in a story, or very direct commandments um, in moments like the Sermon on the Mount, and um, it seems like every, every uh, paragraph, there's a new miracle of some level. But overall, um, there's a few things that he does that I was reflecting on. One is that he gives language to move out of harmful systems um, because he, he asks questions, right? And so when we read the Gospels, we can, that, that's where I recommend that we focus on. And so that's where the way I'm going to speak about the miracle at Cana this morning. He also prompts self reflection into our motivations. Um, 
we often see people like the disciples or the Pharisees asking a question that, that reveals something about their hearts, right? Um, and so maybe we don't engage with that question, but we have a different question. And so when we think about our own questions, uh, we can reflect on, well, maybe that's not the right question for me to be asking in this moment. He also encourages us to wait or press in or seek justice or in many ways that certainly apply to us today. Um, he offers a new way of being in relationship with God and humanity, right? Um, not only does he fulfill prophecy and covenants, um, and as I'm going to talk about later, uh, sort of a, a new common sense um, to being in a relationship with God and humanity, um, that's, that's the core of the surprise. People expected him to, to come as the Savior um, to the Jewish people, um, but in a way that, that made sense to them at the time. And some of the ways that he does that is by miracles and healing of individuals, of groups of people, of places. Um, and that should encourage us today, too. Um, I'm going to give a quick shout-out to Samuel Marks, because this image we talked about a few different times. The Book of Kells has um, an image of four different figures, one man, a lion, an ox, and an eagle, that represent, in some ways, the four Gospels. Um, and for me, this reminds me that everybody is engaging the Gospels, which are already four different ways to engage Jesus, in different ways. So my book of Kells, um, I have some characters here that remind me of moments that, you know, could be like Jesus, right? Um, and when we read the Gospels, these are humans engaging another human and trying to, to, to summarize and tie together the core of who that person is and what they're saying, right? So... Um, Mrs. Frizzle, or Miss Frizzle, from Magic School Bus, and I have her voice in my head, but I'm not going to mimic it, <laughs> says something like, take chances, make mistakes, and, and how does she say, and get messy. Um, and I, I loved Magic School Bus getting, growing up. Um, and for me, I, I don't take chances. I don't like getting messy. So it's a good reminder for me, just like Jesus may have said things that would have been a contrast to things that people said or, or, were, or were doing or asking. Uh, Maya Angelou um, reminds us, if you don't know where you've come from, you don't know where you're going. And I think Jesus often reminded in the Gospels um, of the traditions and the understanding and all of the, the, the good patterns of worship and curiosity that were present in um, the Jewish tradition and in the ways that people were wanting to learn more about who he was. Um, Mr. Rogers says, real strength has to do with helping others. This feels very similar to Jesus. Um, and then the last one is a fun one. Um, this is the most interesting man in the world from the Dos Equis commercial. Um, and sometimes when we read Jesus' words, we feel like he's saying something like this. I never say something tastes like chicken, not even chicken, right? So sometimes when we, when we read of what Jesus is saying or, or we're, we're feeling the Spirit speaking to us, it, it doesn't really make any sense. It sounds profound. Um, and we need to spend more time with that. So in, in John, which we're going to spend time um, right after 
what our call to worship was today, um, the, first, the first miracle. John's writing um, presents a, a tension where some in the church were arguing, some in the church, the disciples, um, the way that we reflect on the writing now, argued that Jesus couldn't be fully God, and some in the church argued Jesus couldn't be fully human either. Right? And so some of those things that he's adding into our understanding of who Jesus is outside the synoptic gospels have to do with this tension. And so keep that in mind as we enter the, the miracle, which I will read through today. Um, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there are six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. I love this miracle because, one, it's the first miracle. Um, and I think there's something interesting where, you know, Jesus is saying, wait, I'm not ready yet. But he still does this. And something about a first miracle to me um, creates a bookend between this miracle and what you could say is the final miracle of um, his resurrection. So this presents a, a very human lens, right? He got invited to a a wedding uh, that his mom was at, his friends were at. Um, we don't know who else is there. They're not named. Um, but they're in, many people think, some type of chapel because there's these stone jars um, for the Jewish rites of purification. And they run out of wine. And Mary notices and tells them, hey, they don't have any more wine. And so the second thing to me that is really beautiful about this um, is it doesn't, it's not a prayer, right? She's observing, um, and he hesitates in some mysterious way, uh, but he still does this miracle. And Mary's trust and faith that, um, one, the servants would respond to him as one of the guests, um, and two, that, that something beautiful can happen um, is really beautiful. So I'm going to run through the characters here, because there's a lot. And each one has a very unique role um, in for how they engage with Jesus and the miracle and also the setting of, and the environment of, of this space. So the bridal party, um, we know that there's a, a bridegroom here um, who in this group of people, this family invited um, Jesus and the disciples, which the disciples had just started following Jesus. So many of these people might have known personally the disciples and Jesus and Mary. Um, 
And so they, they're here um, many times, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, um, weddings would go on three, four days with the feast, right? And so this, this miracle implies that they had run out of wine on the first day. Um, and so this family is probably not wealthy. Um, they may have some shame about running out of wine. And Mary's observing this, right? So that's, that's Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is here um, taking care for what's around her and doing what she, what she can to, to help out. The servants, um, it's easy to miss them because they're the connection point between Jesus and the master of the feast. The servants are here and they, they're, they're responding and they're observing and they have this hidden secret at the end of the, the miracle, right? They know that this miracle happened. It doesn't say that they're telling anybody. I imagine they probably did. Um, but they were faithful to make sure that the jars were filled up as Jesus commanded them. The master of the feast, which could be like a head steward or server, um, his story is that he, he's, he probably knows that they've run out of wine too. He probably knew that they were going to run out of wine before the party ever started. And yet, this thing happens where there's this new store um, that allows the wedding to continue, allows and honors the bridegroom to continue celebrating his life. Um, it provides a blessing to the guests, like the disciples and Jesus, who then um, go on and, and realize that something amazing happened here. And Jesus, this is the real, the real mystery, right? He, he responds and says, this isn't my time. Um, and while it's not his time for some miracles, this miracle was one that seems simple. Um, and so the fact that it, he decides to, after saying, wait, he does it anyways. Um, it doesn't say that this is based on any level of faithfulness. Um, but to me, it reminds me that Jesus also recognizes the need, right? Mary's reminding him that there's a need, but he, he knew of the need all along. And this miracle for me also, um, so the, the common sense of the day was that you, as the master of the feast described, um, serve the good wine first. Because maybe people are going to know that it's good wine at that point. I feel like maybe now it's the opposite. Our common sense is that we keep the good wine for ourselves. Um, or whatever that might be, the best cheese. Um, but so the, the three lenses that this builds on um, the Old Testament and, and the first week that we have with the creation is there's the prophecies in the Old Testament about, about Jesus, right? That he'll be born in the city of David, that he's going to be a descendant of descendant of David, that he's going to be resurrected. And there's also a lens of the covenants where um, this nation will continue. Um, but the real surprise for me is that Jesus' action here and the whole story goes against the common sense of the day. And I think the encouragement that the Gospels as a whole present to us is that Jesus continues to work against the common sense of our day. Right? I love Ecclesiastes, and when you read it, it's really depressing. <laughs> but when you pair this with the, the beauty of Jesus' story, it creates this contrast that reminds me that 
while Ecclesiastes, the, the, the wise author of Ecclesiastes, whoever that might be, says, I observe all the work and ambition motivated by envy. What a waste. It's like smoke and spitting into the wind. Well, that can feel true. Jesus comes along, and the master of the feast is surprised. Like, wait, all of the envy that might be present in this space, like you protected against, or the shame you protected against. Um, Jesus isn't working with envy. The servants weren't working with envy. Mary wasn't working with envy. Um, and it allowed this, this space, this environment, to become something more whole. And there's a lot of phrases that we think about or, or um, dwell on when we think about Ecclesiastes as a representation of our common sense. So maybe all is vanity, 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 all is vanity. Um, or there's nothing new under the sun, or from dust to dust, um, or the spitting into wind phrase. Which, uh, I don't remember if it's which gospel it's in, but Jesus actually quotes one of the phrases about spitting into the wind, but he uses a Greek word, that actually means the same thing with wind and spirit, right? And so sometimes we're in these cycles of spitting into our own spirit or spitting into other people's spirit. So Jesus is presenting something different. Um, so when you think about this miracle, I talked about this a little bit. The master of the feast says, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. In Jewish tradition, these stone jars that were in this space were partly filled with water. They needed to be refilled, right? And so we know that this family is uh, working in a system of faith. They're, they're doing what they need to do. Uh, and Jesus is coming, offering something a lot different. He's offering something that's parallel to his own blood, which we'll talk about later. So that's a mystery you can explore yourself. Um, but the servants, sorry, lost my train of thought. I'm going to move forward to this question. Um, who are you at the, bridal, at the wedding feast? Um, and I think this question is the question for today. Um, because we know places that have run out of wine, like Haiti. And I didn't know this is going to be a, a video that we had when I first started thinking about this section of the Gospels. Um, but if, if somebody like Carlo is the master of the feast who has invited Jesus to his space, or wherever you are working, if you've invited Jesus to your space, where are all these other people in, in the wedding feast um, engaged, whether that might be someone prompting, we've run out of wine, or somebody receiving word from Jesus that we need to fill up the jars. Um, or receiving a su the surprise that Jesus offers um, more wine beyond what we prepare for. So these this, to me, is a, a, a truth about Jesus um, that's presented in this, in this miracle. Um, but it's a truth about the world that we live in also. 
And when we read the Gospels, every teaching, every miracle can tie to these questions. So when we think about our lives, maybe we're not at a wedding, um, but maybe we're preparing for a wedding or preparing for ministry or we're working through the daily life that we have. Are you running out of wine? Do you feel like you invited too many guests? Has your mother commented on party planning? Do you avoid weddings or don't feel like celebrating? And are the jars even filled with water? And that this, these questions present an opportunity of new promises, right? That build on the Old Testament promises where God is saying, I will be with you. Jesus says, I'm here in the room. Let's identify if there's no wine or cheese or bread. Today we're going to take communion together. Um, so this keep on your heart as we enter there. We're also going to pray together with prayers of the people. Doug Worth is going to come up and lead us in that. And we had the opportunity to give for Haiti, and I would like to encourage you to examine that again, that opportunity. Because there are spaces, and this is one that we know of that has run out of wine. So thank you for listening. That's all I got. We welcome you to come lead us in prayer. Jesus, you know what makes our joints ache. Our grip tighten and our breath fall away. Be with us in our noticing. Though at times we wrangle smoke and spit into the wind, we long to be open and at peace. Let's pray this together. May it be on earth as it is in heaven. You, Lord, offer good wine and bring out even better as we journey with you. Your company is sweet and we order our lives around your promises. We celebrate your generosity and know your goodness. May it be on earth as it is in heaven. Yet these promises are difficult, and among your people, our celebrations can be cut short. In Pakistan, we grieve the loss of life, home, and community. In Haiti, we pray for your assurance and protection. Our brothers and sisters have filled their water jugs knowing you have the power to turn their water into wine. We also pray for the communities and spaces we belong to that need your healing, such as... May it be on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, help us to forgive those who have wronged us and those we love 
We know that people act out of their scarcity and fear. Teach us to love our enemies, especially We know you invite all of us to the table and we want to be your partner to all people made in your image. May it be on earth as it is in heaven. We pray like Mary spoke at the wedding in Cana with observation and care, noticing that the wine is nearly gone. This day as you reveal your abundance again to us, we yearn for Pastor Carlos' ministry in Haiti to be blessed with good wine. Mm. Though you have shown grace and protected and provided, we pray that we might be amazed that you have kept your good wine for last. In our desire to serve you, remind us that the miracle is yours to complete, yet we can fill the jars with water in our waiting. May it be on earth as it is in heaven. I want to invite you to stand for a moment and experience this moment with God. We've been given wisdom that we don't even know the fullness of it yet. And whatever word we heard here, can you just say something to God that is honest and true about what you heard today? Could there be any word of comfort or counsel or conviction? Just let it go deep. There's a question rising for you. Just let that come fully into your conversation with God. there be any faith, hope, or love. Let that expand in your heart right now. A word of faith, a word of hope, a word of love. Just let that expand and say, God, I don't have much to say, but I want my faith to expand. 
I want my hope to enlarge. I want my love from you for me and others to be what compels me in this life. So take a few breaths, everyone, and realize it's the God who breathes in you that's giving you the ability to be in this moment, receiving the God who calls you child. And the God who's listening to your request for wine at the banquet. Provision for our poverty. Healing for our sickness. bread and wine for our transformation. We're going to give you a couple of options this morning to come and take communion either up front. So there are two little cups that the bread is on the bottom and the cup is on the top. So if you'd like to move, you feel like today would be a day for you to take a step toward receiving the provision of God, that would be really lovely. If you want to stay at your table, the communion is there or on the back table. If you feel like you and God want to do business all by yourself, you're allowed to do that. You just need to receive God by yourself. But some of us need um, to move forward. And then there are others that you might want a blessing from our pastors. And um, I know that Jacques... Jill and Charles and Scott are going to come up to the tables right now. I, I kind of, I, I don't know if you're realizing kind of the, the presence of God and the texture of it today, but you had an observer type personality speaking followed by another observer type reading the prayers of the pre- people over us. And there was a beautiful move of God and that kind of stillness. I hope you noticed it. Because, you know, the vessels of God are all representatives of God. And so even as you all take a spot at one corner or the other, um, you're going to wonder if God might want a blessing from someone um, who maybe uh, is a presence of God that you need today. I'm actually going to ask Hannah and AJ to go stand by the candle wall on that side. That would be beautiful. 
and maybe you feel like you would like to receive a blessing from them. And I just want to say that um, there's good wine awaiting you. You know, the, um, the bookends of the first miracle with wine and the last supper um, with wine, you know God's really smart, right? God knows how to set up a story in order for us to say, I wonder if there's something in the wine or the bread for me. I something Is there something in the story that really is something I can take into my life that will matter for where I'm going? So friends, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and gave thanks and said, this is my body given for you. And every time you eat, remember. And after supper was ended, Jesus lifted the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant. It's my blood shed for you and for all people so that sins will be forgiven. Every time you drink, remember me. And so as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we pray that we would not just remember you with our heads, but that we would partake in the miracle of bread and wine today. And that we would be transformed to be those in the world for other people that need the nourishment that you alone can give, God. You are the bread of life. You are the wine, the new wine we need. So wherever you'd like to pray today, God is present with you. Thank you. 
this song, I was reminded, um, I had like this image of being in this space. Uh, I don't know about you, I, 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 I'm assuming you've had those sacred spaces, might just be your own, your own heart. And then there's some sacred spaces, our environments. As I was also listening to AJ, I think it was all like tied together for me, like the amazing things I've been able to experience in my life in those sacred spaces, like what it must have been like when the new wine started to be poured at that wedding and how I'm sure it was a great wedding up until that point in many ways, great celebration. But the hope of that God could take it to a different level in, in my life and yours. So I was thinking I had this image of this space before Claire and I moved out to Marshall. So this was probably like 35 years ago or so. I've had different sacred spaces. Like I, I go to them. Not because there's really anything in the space. It's just I think it's healthy for me to be able and shut down certain things and awaken to other things. But I want to encourage you as, as we speak the blessing, as I speak a blessing over you today, I want you to imagine a sacred space in your life, a place you've been, a prayer time you've had. Maybe it was a moment, maybe it's been a season. But I was thinking about this, and just as Lindsay started to sing, I was just thinking about how God just... Holy Spirit would just wash over me in that space. It was so beautiful. There were celebration moments. There were hard moments. There were moments when I thought the wine is running out and it's not going to be good. There were moments where it's like, this is really good wine. Anyway, I want you to think about a sacred space that you've been in. And I want to believe God to open us up to best line for this new season in our life. What might that look like? Better than that moment that you can remember, that sacred space moment that God perhaps may want to do this for all of us on this day. So whatever that is, if you need to do a posture, I'm going to get down on one knee because I did that a lot in that space. You can do whatever, do what you're comfortable with. If you're at home, you're online, I want you to do that too. And let's just posture ourselves to receive from the Holy Spirit. What God may want to do for us, in us, and through us. So even now, as you're mindful of that sacred or those sacred spaces, perhaps a place of infilling, perhaps a place of deep joy, perhaps a revelation, as fantastic as that was, I speak new wine into your life. bless you with the miracle of water turning to wine in your life. 
what you've experienced to be nothing like what you're about to be open to. So receive that wine. Receive that empowerment. Receive that anointing, that healing. Let it wash over you on this day. carry you into your tomorrows. Holy Spirit, come. And I bless you in the magnificent name, that wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Be blessed, everybody. Have a beautiful week.